Hey guys, it's Elaine, host of Raising Deaf Kids, where we get weekly encouragement, education, and feel empowered to raise our deaf kids as hearing parents together. So grab your coffee and let's get started. Do the confetti and pop the champagne because it's podcast launch day. Yes, that's right. The Raising Deaf Kids podcast has officially launched today. And right now I am ready to bring you my first episode. And this episode is personal and it's a solo episode where I talk a little bit about our journey with hearing loss and so you know a little bit about my background and why I started the podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Hey everyone to the Raising Deaf Kids podcast. I'm so excited to have you here and to finally be out to the world. I know I've been talking about it on social media and I've been interviewing some amazing guests for this first season and I just can't wait to get this information out to you. I wanted to start and kind of kick off this podcast with a solo episode just to let you know a little bit about myself, my background with hearing loss because it comes up in interviews sometimes and I would love for you to just know my full story and how you know maybe my story can help you along with your deaf kids and even deaf and hard of hearing plus kids so I love to talk to you a little bit about my story I love to also you know just tell you a little bit about what this podcast is going to be like this is kind of a get to know you podcast you know podcasting is so fun and I do not take for granted that you're letting me into your home that you're laying me into your ears when you are, you know, taking your kids to school, when you're driving with your kids in the car, when you have your earbuds in and you're washing the dishes or you're vacuuming the house. And I just really appreciate you letting me into your home and your life like that. And I think we're going to be friends. I think we're going to be really good friends through this podcast. And so as any good friend and as any friend starting a friendship, you know, I felt like you needed to get to know a little bit about me and my family and kind of kick off the introductions. So here it is. So my story with hearing loss starts with my children. So to be clear, we have no hearing loss in anywhere in our family. And so when I had my first child, he had hearing loss from birth. So I have two children who have hearing loss and one child who is regular hearing. So I had a baby with hearing loss and you know the pregnancy, my first pregnancy with him was a little bit difficult. It wasn't difficult being pregnant for me, but there are definitely, you know, a few like higher risk complications, which is hard when you're having your first you know, baby and everything is new to you anyway, and you don't know what you're doing, pregnancy is new to you, and then they tell you you kind of have like a high-risk pregnancy, which no one in my family has ever had before either. So we're really just paving the way for everyone, you know, friends and family on everything new. So to start out with, my baby was small for gestational age. So I knew when I was pregnant with him, so I knew that my dates were correct, and he was growing basically small for 
his age. And so he was always fine. We watched him and we monitored him, but we did induce him early at 37 weeks because he was not growing significantly anymore. So I had this little baby at 37 weeks and he was four pounds and he was very healthy. He was in the NICU for about eight days just to eat and grow. And, you know, my NICU story is a little bit different where, you know, it's, it's not easy having your baby in the NICU. It's certainly not easy, you know, having to go home and, you know, come to the hospital every day. And then if you're a mom, you know, like I was, and you're trying to pump and get your milk in and give them milk, you know, it, it's a lot for sure. You know, I think we were blessed that we weren't really worried about our baby because our baby was healthy and safe. They were just making sure since he was little that he was going to eat correctly and regain you know, the weight that, you know, he had lost right after birth, which is completely normal. And so he did that. So he came home right at four pounds because I remember he had to be at least four pounds to be able to safely like put him in his baby car seat to go home. So he came home, you know, he passed his car seat test. So if you have a NICU baby, they often have to do like a test where they have to sit in a car seat, you know, without any monitors or anything. You know, they, they have to be able to sit in a car seat for like 30 minutes or an hour or something like that. So he passed that test and he came home a little peanut just right at four pounds. He was good eating and growing. And then he did fail his newborn hearing screening in the NICU. I think they screened him twice. And at that point, you know, we were referred over to an audiologist for a longer, you know, two or three hour appointment, which if you've gone through hearing loss with your kids, you probably know what I'm talking about, like the more in-depth audiology appointment. And, you know, we were, I just remember being really uncertain at this time because we were completely new to hearing loss you know and we had just been through this like you know slightly stressful nine months you know our baby had just been in the NICU and we had just gotten him home and you know hearing loss was the furthest thing from our mind we we never had hearing loss our family we wouldn't have a reason to suspect hearing loss in any of our children you know so those like two months i think we did it when he was two months old so we had to like wait two months in between you know his newborn hearing screening and the audiology appointment and those two months were you know we, we were fine we were enjoying our baby at home we were learning how to be parents we were you know both on maternity leave my husband was able to take a maternity leave as well and we were exhausted which I look back now that I, I've had three kids like what were we exhausted about we just had one baby and we had two adults home for like 12 weeks and like the baby just ate and slept like he was a really good really easy baby and I just remember being so exhausted my husband and I would just sit on the couch for hours and at that point we started Grey's Anatomy for the first time and for like 12 weeks we just watched through like Grey's Anatomy while we sat and fed the baby and it was actually a really sweet time too although this thing about hearing loss was always kind of in the back of our mind you know so that was a little bit tough but we kind of put it out of our mind a little bit thinking oh he's little which is what the nurses told us in the NICU oh he's little sometimes NICU babies don't respond to sounds because they don't know to respond yet he's probably fine and so we kind of you know took that information which now I know is wrong information so you know fast forward to two months old 
old and, you know, we went and sat both of us and, you know, all three of us, me and my husband and the baby, basically slept and napped through the two-hour audiology appointment, you know, where they test the baby's hearing and they want the baby to sleep. Unfortunately, my oldest was a really good napper and so it was easy to get him to sleep. But I remember at the very end of that test, like the audiologist immediately was like, your child can't hear or can't has profound sensorineural hearing loss, which is his diagnosis. And so it was obviously really obvious. They're really obvious that he had hearing loss and that he had very severe hearing loss because we didn't even, they didn't even have to like confer. When they are taught to ENTs or taught to doctors, they just immediately told us, you know, that he had the hearing loss. And, you know, that started a bit of a grief period, to be honest. I mean, you know, I was hormonal anyway because I was two months postpartum from having this baby and like I said we'd already had kind of a rough pregnancy we'd had a baby in the NICU and we had still a preemie sized baby I think even at two months he was maybe like six pounds so he was like just getting to where he was actually like a regular size like newborn baby but he was two months old you know and I went home and then you know I think we took the news well initially we were really tired new parents and overwhelmed just from having a new baby but I remember like talking it out loud to my mom like I called my mom on the phone that night and I just like burst into tears when I talked to her and I really didn't expect that but I think you know there was something about having to tell someone else so I think you know with me and my husband we could it's like it almost didn't make it real until I told another person outside of like me and my husband and so when I told my mom it just became really real for me and all of those fears came up which you know now that we're seven years in with my one and five years in with my other one with hearing loss. You know, I, I know that everything is okay, but when you have that new baby and you get that first diagnosis and you're not expecting hearing loss and you've already had a rough road in just two months of having a new baby, you know, it's a lot of information to take in. And at that point, I had no idea. You know, they told me that he was a candidate for cochlear implants. And I'm gonna be honest, I had never even heard of cochlear implants. I had no idea what those were. I had never seen one. I knew what hearing aids were. I didn't understand how hearing aids and cochlear implants were different at that point I just heard that I had a deaf baby like a baby who could not hear and I, at that point I couldn't imagine like what his life was gonna look like you know I like everything that I had thought about my kid came crashing down basically you know and I was like are we all gonna have to learn sign language now that felt super overwhelming two months into having a baby you know is he gonna be able to go to school like how am I gonna educate him like how are we gonna live life you know not being able to talk to our child our child not being able to hear us you know and, and and so we definitely my husband and I both went through kind of a grief period which I like to normalize for parents and we talk a lot about on the podcast that there is a grief and acceptance period at the beginning of hearing loss to you know accept that your child's life is going to play out in a different way than what you expected it and that's totally normal and it doesn't mean that you don't love your child it doesn't mean that you don't fully accept who they are it just means that life is going to be different and you didn't expect it to be different and you're letting go of what you thought life was going to look like but I encourage parents to just kind of go through that grief and acceptance and feel it it's hard but if you do if you really let yourself like feel it and it comes up at different times it may take months it may take a year that's okay it's different for everyone once you get through it 
you feel so empowered to then find out all of the information and help your kid. You feel so much more empowered to advocate and you feel like ready to take the next step. I definitely encourage you, you know, even if you are several years in hearing loss and you feel like you didn't ever take that, you know, grief and acceptance period to to do it now and you will show up as a much better parent for your kids and a much better advocate for your kids and you'll you will feel better because we carry things like this around in our bodies and we don't realize it and it shows up in you know different ways in like a stressful way so if you just release it and work through it you'll actually feel better about it on the other side so you know we we did so then we dove into helping him so my child at the time we didn't know that he was born with a genetic syndrome which we would not find out until we had our second child but that you know diagnosis of hearing loss you know kicked off now we had to see the ENT now we had to get an MRI you know to make sure that he had the right um, anatomy to be able for the cochlear implants to be successful and at the same time we were getting physical therapy for him which started about two months old who was coming to the house every week because he was a little baby and he had low muscle tone so to help him strengthen and learn to crawl and walk which he did he finally walked on his own at at 19 months so you know much later we also kind of had in and out occupational therapy for like feeding help when he got a little bit older once again because of the low muscle tone to like help him like chew better you know at the same time that we were preparing for cochlear implants so that first year of having a baby we had you know all these appointments all of these therapies coming to the house every week so there's a lot of people coming in and out of the house I was trying to work full-time. I was trying to help the daycare that we had our baby in understand that he was deaf because he didn't have his cochlear implants yet and that he could not hear and trying to give them information about how they need to use like facial expressions and you know he needs to be able to see them if he's crying like they need to be more attentive to him trying to educate the daycare when even I didn't really know what he needed or like what I was really supposed to be doing. So it came to it that when he turned about a year old, at about 11 months old, he got the surgery for his cochlear implant, all went well. And I actually quit my job and started being at home full time because we realized, which we didn't realize at the beginning and realized after he got his cochlear implants, that speech therapy was going to be something that he was going to need for many years. And like, you know, at least once a week that he was still going to need physical therapy. He was still going to need maybe occupational therapy because his fine motor skills were a little bit behind at that point in his gross motor skills. And so we realized that these therapies we're not going to stop after a year, which is something we did not realize earlier. So I quit my job and I started staying home full time, basically so that I could be in charge of all the therapies and there could just be one person who is me, you know, in charge of the goals and helping him through the therapies. And, you know, I really appreciate being able to do that and to provide that for my child. And, you know, he got his cochlear implants, started on with speech therapy, all the other therapies, you know, we were good. He was starting to say, you know, a few words. Speech therapy was working pretty well. We did some sign language in between to kind of bridge the communication gap until he started being able to understand us and talk a little bit more. And then we got pregnant with our second son when our first son was about two and a half. We decided that we finally had everything a little bit under control. We were ready to do it again. Thinking that my son's, my first son's diagnosis was just kind of a one-off.
off. We knew that there's a chance that it could happen again, but we, we did not have the genetic information that we have now. And so we thought, we thought there was a good chance actually that we would have a second child without hearing loss. And then I got pregnant and my pregnancy went the literal exact same way as the first way. My baby was, you know, small for gestational age. I knew when I was pregnant with him, you know, except this time I knew exactly what to do, exactly what to tell the doctors because we've been through this before. But as soon as at the first appointment around 16 weeks of pregnancy, when they said your baby's growing small, my husband and I knew, okay, this is happening again. Our child probably has hearing loss. So the second time around, because the pregnancies were so similar and we suspected, we had a little bit more time to prepare, whereas the first child hearing loss came out of the blue. The second time around, I felt less overwhelmed because we'd already be doing this. We were already connected, you know, with the people that we needed to be connected with. And I knew the process and knew exactly what to do. So, you know, we went through the pregnancy and then of course at 32 weeks on Memorial Day, my water broke early, which did not happen with my first one. And I went into labor. We were able to stop the labor. And so then I was in the hospital for two weeks on basically bed rest. And they wanted me to make it to 34 weeks to have the baby. You know, this time, like I said, I had a two-year-old. My husband was in the middle of nurse practitioner school. He was working as a nurse at the same time. And then here I am in the hospital for two weeks being monitored constantly every day because, you know, my water had broken. I had no more in there, making sure the baby was okay. And our little stinker of a middle child was born spontaneously. I went into labor the day before they were going to induce me. So he came that night at just like 33 weeks plus some hours. He was like almost 34 weeks old and he was a little three pound baby. Once again, we already knew that our baby was going to be in the NICU. And so both times that has been a blessing that the doctors had talked to us about both children, that they were most likely going to be in the NICU because they were measuring so small. And so we did have time to prepare, you know, for that. And we knew that as soon as I had the baby, they would go to the NICU and be checked out and stuff. So we knew that process was coming, which was helpful because we could prepare for that process. And so he went to the NICU and, you know, once again, he was there to eat and grow, which was phenomenal for a three pound baby. His lungs were developed well because they had been giving me lots of steroids and antibiotics after my water broke to go ahead and, you know, develop his lungs the best that they could be. And, you know, he just needed a little bit of breathing support for a couple of hours and then came off of it and never needed it again. But of course he was in the NICU because he came at 34 weeks in the NICU for about five weeks, once again, to eat and grow. But, you know, at that time, postpartum, I'm, my husband is in school. He has a full-time job. I have a two-year-old at home now. I'm also trying to, you know, pump and get my milk in and give them milk and also spend time with my newborn baby. So once again, we were thrown into this like really, really busy world. But one thing, you know, we definitely thought all along is this baby probably has hearing loss. And, you know, once again, you know, we told the NICU nurses because we've been through this before. We told them we've been through this before. This is like happened almost the exact same way with the first pregnancy. This baby probably has hearing loss. And I went ahead and told the NICU nurses to treat the baby like he was a deaf baby and to make sure he, that they were more like attentive to him when he cried because he likely couldn't hear them. And once again, he failed his newborn hearing screening as well in the NICU. And then once again, the nurses told us, you know, oh, NICU babies said they sometimes don't respond. They're little, they don't know. And we just stopped them this time and said, you know what, we've already been through this. We already have one child with hearing loss. We think this baby is deaf. And they're like, oh, you don't know that. I think they were trying to be helpful and encouraging, but really sometimes it's better 
better instead of trying to be helpful and encouraging just to like be there with the parent and validate that like the parents know about their child and you know because you you do you know your child the best especially being a mom and you know we just said well you know we're pretty sure he has hearing loss so I don't think that's true and then sure enough we went through the whole testing and procedure again he had the same type of hearing loss bilateral profound sensorineural hearing loss and the difference is the second time around is we're already plugged in so I immediately went to you know my oldest son's speech therapist and I, I said okay we need this baby in speech therapy he has hearing loss he's getting cochlear implants we immediately set up with the ENT is the same ENT you know that had our first one so things happened a lot faster with my second because we were already plugged in and we already knew the process and we had already gone through like a grief and acceptance period with our oldest child and so you know whereas we weren't sure if we we're going to have another child with hearing loss before we got pregnant we were prepared to have another child with hearing loss and so it didn't come as such a complete shock as it did the second time around you know and my second son got his cochlear implants at about 11 months old he has a small cochlear nerve and so we did a lot of extra audiology testing on him it took a longer time to get his cochlear implant mappings done and you know I will say the ENT came out of that surgery with my second one and said you know we did the implants they were successful and I did not get the feedback that he's hearing like I was hoping and so he did go ahead and tell us right after surgery I'm not sure if they're working or not time will tell I think it was still worth it I think he will get some sound but maybe not full sound and that is still true today so now that will peanut is five years old and he you know is my wild middle child and also so loving and it so makes sense now that he came early because he is just fast and furious that is his personality and that 100% makes sense from the beginning for him and still to this day he's he does have gaps in his hearing even with the cochlear implants we're still happy that we got him the cochlear implants because it does provide him some sound and some speech and then we fill in those gaps with also using ASL signs and English word order for him and we're teaching everybody else and so you know and you know we went through the same thing with him physical therapy with him because he was a small baby a little bit of occupational therapy although he was born with you know good you know motor skills and you know lots of speech therapy and we started with cued speech he didn't love it so we moved on to ASL signs which he did love you know and is still working on that in school today and we did get genetic testing so when we had a second child who had the same type of hearing loss we did get genetic testing and that was helpful we were actually prepared to know nothing because we were prepared that a lot of people you know never find out the cause you know hearing loss and so we were okay going into it not knowing but we felt like it was worth it because we actually like knew that we kind of wanted a third child at that point and so we wanted to know the possibility of having a third child with hearing loss that would not have necessarily stopped us from having another child but we just wanted to be prepared and wanted to see if there's anything that was causing the hearing loss that you know going forward in our boys lives that we need to know about so we got the genetic testing which was helpful because they were able to compare my husband and my DNA and also compare the boys DNA DNA to each other which was great and so they did find that our boys 
have a rare genetic condition called Warsaw Breakage Syndrome, which means like nothing. If you go and Google it, only like 12 kids in the world have been diagnosed with this. All of the kids have the same type of hearing loss and cochlear implants, and then they have like a range of spectrum of other, you know, difficulties and challenges associated with that. So having a diagnosis was great that we knew, but also it doesn't really matter because there's no research and you know, really nothing done about it. So we're still kind of taking it day by day and year by year and seeing what comes up with our kids. But so far, so good, you know, and I love that we did get the early intervention therapy like as soon as we could because it just helped our boys be more successful in their movement and walking, you know, it made them more successful in their motor skills and their eating and, you know, in their speech and language acquisition. And so I'm thankful that we were able to get that ball rolling earlier. And I definitely see now that they're seven and five years old, the role that early intervention played in laying all those foundational skills. So now that they are in second grade and kindergarten, you know, they are doing really well. They are hardworking kids. They have a lot of help and assistance in their school. They have a really great school. And I'll talk more about the IEP stuff in later episodes. And yeah, they're doing really great. And so having those early interventions really laid that found. And then we had a third child. So we also have a two-year-old little girl and she is regular hearing and I knew that she would be because my pregnancy was completely different with her she was my first full-term you know normal size baby with no hearing loss that I that was not in the NICU and I was able to take just straight home you know and I think we're done now we feel like our family is complete our house is definitely full I'm really thankful that I got to experience one quote like normal pregnancy as well and to see how like everybody else's process usually is with their kids because we had a really busy time of it you know for five years when we were having our first two children and you know it's you know everybody's doing well and you know we're taking everything one step at a time we've come a long way in those seven years of dealing with hearing loss in our kids we no longer you know feel like their lives are going to be any different you know i i now understand how to help them in school how to help them with their education i understand that they are going to communicate either by talking or sign language and that both are okay or one is okay or whatever they want to do is okay you know i've also realized that every kid is different my little girl certainly has a very different personality from her brothers and that things are just ever changing with kids you know but i will say we've come a long way in the seven years in education and understanding and now you know i can see like a really bright and clear future for my boys that i couldn't see seven years ago when we first got that hearing loss diagnosis so that is a little bit about my story i know that i was gonna this took actually a lot longer than i thought was going to i know i was gonna tell you a little bit about the podcast i'm actually gonna do a part two right now and it's gonna be much shorter but let you in on kind of what this podcast podcast is going to be about so you can listen to the next episode right now or you can split them up when I launch the podcast I'm going to launch both of these at the same time and these are kind of my intro to the podcast I hope you enjoyed our story it probably sounds a lot like yours if you have children with hearing loss but I hope it was encouraging to you no matter where you are in the journey of hearing loss with your children to know that there's always room for improvement there's always time for learning and there's always 
ways that we can learn more and be better advocates for our kids. All right, I will catch you in episode two. Thank you so much for celebrating the launch of the Raising Deaf Kids podcast with me. Yay, once again, happy launch day. This is not only a launch day for me as a podcast host, but a special launch day for you guys, the listeners as well. And I'm so excited to bring all of this great information and encouragement to you. Thank you so much for allowing me into your home, along with your day, whatever you're doing right now. If you already know that you love this podcast, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. Also, if you really love this podcast and you want others to be able to find out about the podcast, please rate and review the Raising Deaf Kids podcast. This helps push us up a little bit in the algorithm and helps other parents be able to find all of this great information that we have on the podcast. Thank you once again so much for being here and I'll see you next episode.